This is the Booze Tutor Podcast, and class is in session here on the WGOB Network. Grab a chair, pull it up, let's get comfortable and talk some booze. So for week one, or class one, or session one, whatever you like to consider this, we're going to start easy, we're going to start light, you might even say we're going to start standard. That's the standard American lager is what we're going to talk about this week. Now the Beer Judge Certification Program actually splits the standard American lager into two categories, which if you listen to the intro uh, episode that I did, I told you there's a million places that have a thousand or a thousand places that have a million different pieces of information and, and things can get complicated. Well, here you go. Week one. And there's your first example. Uh, the one app that I use calls this whole entire category, the standard American lager. If you go to the beer judge certification program, uh, beer styles, they take that and they split it into standard American lager and then American light lager. So there you go. There's already your first discrepancy, and we're one minute and six seconds into week one. When you hear standard American lager or even uh, American light lager, standard American light lager, my guess is if you're listening to this, there's probably already a beer or two that pop into your head uh, as examples, and you're probably right. These are your beers that have a rep of being the frat party beer or the house party beer or the uh, the drink 15 of them and still be able to function as though you had nothing type of beer styles. These are the beers that you use for your keg stands, your funnels, your butt chugs, your shotguns, your, uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever wild drinking games the kids are doing these days. Uh, these, these are those beers. So let's start with American lager and then we'll, we'll go backwards actually to the light version. So your American lager, basically it started in the U.S. with German immigrants, they were brewing a traditional Pilsner-inspired uh, lager beer since the mid, call it 1800s. So American brewers, they took that style, and as happens in business, they're looking for a way to cut costs and improve their margins and improve uh, ultimately the clarity of the beer. So they began to add corn or even rice adjuncts in pretty high ratios, you know, up to about 40% of the mash uh, is going to be your corn or rice or, or other adjuncts. The idea to, like I said, improve the clarity of the beer, and of course, it's cheaper to produce. Now, uh, in the first episode, we went over some terms and things like that you'll hear as we go along. One I didn't touch on, I probably should have, is what is an adjunct? Adjuncts are Unmalted grains such as corn, rice, uh, oats, wheat, rye, any other grain products that's u- that are used in brewing beer, which supplement the main mash ingredient, which, you know, like malted barley as an example. This style of beer has changed and evolved as time has gone on. And actually, the modern style of uh, the standard American lager is heavenly, uh, heavenly, yeah, I'm okay, heavily influenced um, by both Prohibition as well as World War II. So we talked a little bit about Pro, a very little bit about Prohibition last time. So the breweries that did survive Prohibition, some of them began to consolidate, and then they expanded their distribution. And with that, the goal was to... Uh, heavily produce and promote a beer style that was appealing to a broad range of the population. 
I guess you could say they were successful, really, because uh, the American Standard Lager has become the dominant beer style, or at least it did for many decades, uh, and is now, it's bled over the waters, and it's now an international style. Uh, the American Standard Lager has spawned many international rivals who have developed a similar uh, bland, mass-market appealing beer, which they then in turn back with a heavy amount of advertising. As such, the standard American lager is pretty much what non-craft beer drinkers expect to be served when they order a beer in the United States. You know, sit down at a bar, like you see in movies where the cowboy or the whoever sits down at a bar slaps the bar and says, give me a beer. So generally what most people think of when they think of that is your standard American lager. You may see this beer style marketed throughout the United States or even parts of the world as uh, a pilsner, but don't do yourself the disservice of confusing the two. Definitely don't confuse these with actual pilsners. Um, we, we'll talk more about pilsners when we get into Europe, but there really is no comparison between the standard American lager and the, the true pilsner. The American lager will have significantly less uh, flavor, hops, bitterness than a traditional European pilsner. And truthfully, it even has less bitterness and really less flavor than a true international lager as well. It will, however, be, the standard American lager will, however, be stronger, more flavorful, and have a little bit more body than its standard uh, light lager sibling. What about the beer itself? How, how can you spot the standard American lager out in the wild? Well, it should pour a very clear uh, pale straw to barely a medium yellow color. It'll have a, a white frothy head. The head is rarely, rarely going to last very long. It'll dis it should dissipate fairly quickly. There's going to be, when you bring it to your nose, little to no hop aroma. Although there could be a light floral or very slight spicy aroma, if anything. And along those same lines, the malt aroma is, should be almost non-existent. You may be able to perceive a sweet or corn-like aroma, but it's really barely going to be there if, if it's there at all. A low level of yeast, so generally this is going to be a very clear, clean brewed beer, but if it does have sort of a low level of yeast showing up in the aroma, they actually don't consider that a fault with this style of beer. A little more strangely, a light DMS in the aroma is also not considered a fault. So let me, don't get ahead of yourself. I know what you're saying. What is DMS? I got you. That's what I'm here for. We're, we're here to learn. DMS is diamethyl sulfide. Diamethyl sulfide is a compound that's produced during fermentation. Uh, it can have the aroma of cooked or more commonly cream corn. And generally speaking, it's considered an off flavor in most, uh, in most beer styles. But it's not considered a fault, as long as it's light, it's not considered a fault in the standard American lager. Now, when you get the beer to your mouth, there should be a pretty low body feel in the mouth. But it is going to be very highly carbonated. And as a result of that, 
you have a little bit of a slight sort of carbonic uh, bite on the tongue. Your flavor should be neutral. Uh, in fact, strong flavors in the beer, something that really stands out is considered a fault for the, for the standard American lager. So they should be very neutral. It should be a very neutral beer. Shouldn't elicit a big, a big strong reaction out of you flavor wise. You could have a little bit of a grainy or corn like flavor. And that could almost be perceived as sweetness because of the low bitterness in the beer. There's very low bitterness to, to kind of mask up anything. So there could be sort of a sweet flavor that you get. There's going to be little to no hops in the flavor. Uh, there can be, like, like in the aroma like we talked about, there can be a slight floral quality or even a, a very slight herbal quality in the flavor. But no quality should be strong enough to really distinguish though you know it nothing should jump out at you you shouldn't be able to be like hey these are mosaic hops or what it's all going to be very muted um and again it's it's brewed to appeal to the masses so nothing is going to really jump out at you like that or at least it shouldn't the high levels of carbonation in the beer could accentuate uh, a, a, a crispness i guess is the word of a dry finish you know it's going to have a very dry finish and it could be accentuated by the high levels of carbonation. This is your beer that's generally served very cold. And I'll foreshadow a little bit to the light lager. That coldness becomes almost a hallmark of the advertising for, for these styles of beer, for the two standard American lager styles of beer. Now for the technical side of it. If you remember last week when we talked about ABV, IBU, and SRM, here we are. So, as you might suspect, the ABV on this beer is going to be low. This style of beer is going to be low. You're looking somewhere between 4.2% to about 5.3% ABV. That's, again, alcohol by volume. Your IBUs, your international bittering units, it's going to be, as, as you can probably guess as well, a very low bitter beer. So, you're looking somewhere in the, in the avenue of between 8 and 15 IBUs, or between 8 and 18 IBUs. It seems like wherever you may, and this is, again, what we talked about, where you look, you might get a different number as your final number, but somewhere between 8 and 15 or 8 and 18 in the IBUs. And on your SRM scale, how dark is the beer? It's going to be very, very light, like we talked about. Somewhere between a, a clear, pale straw color to barely a medium yellow color. So you're only about between 2 and 4 for SRM. So between 4.2% and 5.3% ABV, between 8 and 15 or 8 and 18 IBU, and between 2 and 4 SRM. So I know what you're thinking. What the heck kind of food do I drink this beer with? I don't know if that's what you're thinking, but I'm going to tell you. This is a beer that you're going to have with your lighter food. This is a beer you, you crack with uh, chicken, a light salad, uh, some light seafood, Monterey Jack cheese, um, or pizza. And I'm going to give you a little inside baseball here. I'm probably going to say pizza for every style of beer because pizza goes with every beer. Your commercial examples of the beer, every beer that you've probably heard of, again, when you're approaching, when you're, when you're, approaching, when you're arriving at parties or, or things like that, this is your, your PBR, your Pabst Blue Ribbon, your Miller High Life, your Budweiser, your Coors Original, uh, Labatt Blue for all our Canadian friends, and uh, an obscure one, Grain Belt Premium Lager. 
these are your your commercial examples, your shelfies. The, you can walk into any store and buy any of these beers. They're probably occupying most of the shelf space in the liquor stores you go to. So that is a quick rundown of your standard American lager. And with that, we will flip the page to its light sibling. So now we are at the American light lager. The light lager is going to be very similar to the standard American lager. Again, it's designed to appeal to as much of the general public as possible. And you could probably argue that even more so than standard than the regular full-strength standard American lager, the light lager is definitely designed to get everybody. Um, it initially started to pop up in the 1940s, let's say. Uh, Coors actually briefly made a light lager then, not the Coors Light that you're familiar with now, but they kind of dabbled in a light lager back in the 40s. But the more modern versions of the style were first produced actually by Rheingold in 1967. The target was, of, of course, to, to appeal to the more diet-conscious beer drinkers, the, the people trying to watch, watch their weight. I don't think people were counting carbs at that point, but it, that, that's, that trend still continues today with your Mick Ultra and things like that. It didn't really become widely popular, this, this light lager style until about 1970, between 1972 and 1973, Miller Brewing acquired the light recipe, L-I-T-E, from Meisterbrau, from Meisterbrau Brewing. So Miller, that's why Miller Light is Miller L-I-T-E. Light was actually a style of beer created by somebody else. Miller bought it and they just never changed the name. So it's Miller Light. In fact, this light beer history is a little bit convoluted. It, it, it took a number of, uh, of roads to end up as Miller Lite. It actually started the light beer recipe, actually the L-I-T-E, again, that is light beer, uh, started as Gablinger's, I got to look to make sure I'm saying this correctly, Gablinger's Diet Beer. Uh, Gablinger's Diet Beer was actually developed in 1967, if I'm not mistaken, by a PhD, a biochemist named Joseph Awadis. He actually worked for uh, Rheingold, for Rheingold's Brewery. So after developing the recipe, Awadis actually gave it to Peter Hand Brewing in uh, Chicago, Illinois. That year, Peter Hand was purchased by a group of investors, and they renamed it Meisterbrow Brewing. So the light beer was introduced at that point as Meister Brow Light, again, L-I-T-E, which they promoted as their companion beer, their light option to their flagship beer, which is just simply Meister Brow. Meister Brow, however, had pretty significant financial problems. So in 72, in 1972, they sold several of their existing labels to Miller, to Miller Brewing. Miller then relaunched the the light recipe that they that they purchased simply as light l-i-t-e uh their packaging their advertising everything was light sometimes used interchangeably with light beer from miller and that actually was its official name until about the late 1990s i believe it was so between between that 1973 to 1975 year range miller 
began to do a lot of market research and things like that and and had determined that the quote unquote ultra male, you know, masculine pro athlete was the key to marketing the beer. And Miller began to market the beer very heavily towards your sports fans, you know, your race fans, that kind of thing with, I'm sure you'll remember the very popular, uh, taste great, less filling campaign. Yeah. You saw it on every sporting event you ever watched in your life. You saw that commercial a billion and a half times. It's tough to argue with success though, because the light beer genre in, in thanks large part to Miller became the uh, biggest selling style in the entire United States in the 1990s. Everything was light beer. Ultimately, it's brewed very similarly to the standard American lager. It's still brewed with two or six row barley with a very high percent, well, very high, it's a high percentage of adjuncts somewhere in that 40% range of uh, rice and corn adjuncts. The difference though is that additional enzymes are added to the beer well to the to the mash to the the production uh to further lighten the body and to lower the carbs obviously the two things that you know your diet quote-unquote beer drinker are looking for so what you end up with is a lighter bodied version of your standard american lager lower alcohol less calories but it also has uh, less hop character less bitterness than the standard American lager and even has less hop character and bitterness than the German version of the same beer, which is called light beer. Your American light lager is going to pour very clear, even more so than the standard American lager. Uh, it's going to be a very pale straw color to a very pale yellow color. Again, you're going to have that same white frothy head, it shouldn't stick around. It almost never persists. You know, it dissipates quickly. You're again, as you would, uh, as you're used to from the standard American lager, you're going to have little to no aroma as far as far as malts. Again, it can be perceived as sweet a little bit. Uh, hop aroma, at best, is going to be very light, but it's probably going to be closer to none. Again, it can be perceived as floral if you're perceiving anything at all. Although, by and large, it should be fairly muted, fairly neutral, and nothing should really jump out at you in the aroma. Clean fermentation of the beer is is always the goal. But similar to the, the, uh, the standard American lager, you could have a slight yeast character or even a slight back to that DMS um, you can have a slight, a slight character of those two things in the beer without it being considered really a fault in the style. Again, DMS is that cream corn sort of aroma. When you hit your, uh, when you lift the glass and it hits your mouth, it should be very light, very very light. Sometimes almost described as watery in the mouth feel. You're gonna have very high carbonation, and again, there could be that sort of slight bite on the tongue. Neutral flavors or maybe very, very, very low grain or corn-like flavor, which could be perceived as sweet, similar to the other style, just because of the very low hop bitterness. But again, the goal here is neutral. That stuff shouldn't really jump out at you. It's, you know, you may be able to perceive it slightly, but it should certainly not be something that you, you drink the beer and think to yourself that, oh, that tastes like grain or corn or whatever, whatever. 
it should just be a neutral a neutral flavor with a crisp dry finish similar again to the American uh, standard lager it could be either slightly malty or slightly bitter depending on the beer but it tends to be relatively close to even as far as in your mouth again nothing should really jump out at you it's going to be very highly carbonated and that high carbonation could accentuate some of that crispness of the dry finish and here you are even more so than the standard american lager this is your beer that's designed to be consumed very very cold so much so that cold and the temperature of the beer and that kind of thing is often a part of your advertising campaigns the big ones almost always came from Coors. I'm sure you'll remember a lot of the advertising campaigns Coors Light used. Um, their their commercials and such would have the big buzzwords. You know, their their beers are cold filtered was their big claim to fame. Or um, they had their cold hard facts. Or their cold as the Rockies campaign was a big one. Uh, they released cans that were cold activated where the, the label or something on the label would turn blue when it was cold and ready to be consumed. This is very much your... And, and really, the coldness, in a lot of ways, is designed to cover the fact that, frankly, there's just not a lot going on. It's not very complex. It's, it's designed to be a beer that you slam, a super refreshing, carbonated, crisp, you know, 100-degree day. You're, you're going to have a beer. You're going you're gonna to fire one of these things back. As far as the technical side of it, again, you're going to be even lower ABV. Uh, you can be as low as 2.8% up to about 4.2% is generally where the American light lager is going to sit on the ABV, uh, the alcohol by volume. IBUs, you're going to look somewhere in 8 to 12 are going to be your IBUs and a little bit less on the SRM than the standard American lager. You're going to be somewhere between 2 and 3 SRM. So 2.8% to 4.2% ABV, 8 to 12 IBU, and 2 to 3 SRM. Food-wise, you're going to pair it with the same basic foods that you're going to pair the standard American lager with, which should come really as no surprise. You're looking here at chicken, salads, mild cheeses, etc., etc., uh, pizza. <laughs> and your commercial examples of, of this style of beer probably even more so than the standard American lager are ones that you're absolutely familiar with if you're listening to this. This is your your Bud Lights, your Coors Lights, your Keystone Light, Michelob Light, Miller Light, your Old Milwaukee Light, that beast. Uh, Mick Ultra in there now. I believe that Labatt has a light. I mean, everybody has a light now, right? All, all the, the mass producers of beer. You can even get a Heineken light or a Corona light. And that brings us to the end of the American light lager. So with that, that wraps us up for lesson one. We're going to close the book on the standard American lagers as we look ahead to our second lesson. For lesson two, we're going to stay in North America and we're going to crack open the cream ale, another standard American beer style, though maybe a little less known or a little less thought about at least in, in today's world. Remember, as always, to check us out on uh, all social media, as this show is a product of the Gorillas of Booze. 
So check us out all over the internet there. Instagram, uh, Facebook, at the, both at the Grills of Booze. Twitter, we are at Booze Gorillas. And of course, the home for all things uh, multimedia for us anyway is WGOB Network. That's where uh, on YouTube, WGOB Network is the home of our of our YouTube products. So our Grills of Booze television season two is coming soon, as well as our quick hits and our one shots where we either singularly or a group of us take a look at a beer as quickly as humanly possible. And we don't do quick generally. Uh, WGOB Network for your podcasts. You can find us on Google Play, Stitcher Radio, uh, SoundCloud. The iTunes situation is a bit of a nightmare as far as their podcast uh, hosting uh, website. So we will be on iTunes. We're not there yet. Although by the time this comes out, we might be. So if you find us, like us, give us a five star if you could. I hear the bell. So your homework. Your homework is to hit the stores, hit any store you can find because they're all going to have it. Get yourself a standard American lager. Grab yourself a light lager and try them for yourselves and see what you think. Hey, maybe it's your style. We're not here to judge anybody's choice and styles. Drink what you like. That's what it's all about. It's all beer. We're all here to enjoy beer. With that, my name is Doug. I represent those gorillas of booze. This is the Booze Tutor Podcast. See you next time.